Excuse me while I show you my tits. Now it feels forest. Welcome to episode 88. <laughs> we got a little sidetracked and then came back to the entry. So now the entry is not natural. Right. I'm Christina. That's and Amanda. I- she doesn't even get to introduce herself. Fuck you then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this bitch? It's Amanda. It's me, Amanda. It's me, Mario. I haven't done that on the podcast in a while. Not for like 60 episodes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was like a lot in like the first 20. And then I was like, it's time to retire it. Well, it's coming back. (laughs) We put it on the shelf and then we fucking picked it up off the shelf. And it's going to go back on the shelf. It's really annoying. (laughs) Dude. Dude. We're all over the place today. What? We really are. I don't, I don't know. I got like all these little Christmas gift things sitting next to my computer and I got distracted by playing with the bow. Beat the bow. With I the ate bow. all my cookies and I've been looking around for another cookie and I know there's no more cookies, but I'm like, what if there is? <laughs> but what if it ran over there? <laughs> but what if, what if I brought another one down and I just set it down somewhere else? <laughs> yes, your shirt though. Hashtag these curves. Love it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, what's up? How's your week? Oh, it's a week. It's Monday through Friday. <laughs> oh, fucking no. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you looked very concerned. <laughs> I just couldn't stop talking. It just kept coming out. No, it was fine. It actually went by really fast. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. How was your week? <laughs> it was good it was long and short I don't know how to explain it started back at work and worked like 10 to 11 hour shifts and I'm just with children it's very exhausting ready to you're beat I'm I am beat listen her dogs are barking she's had a long rough week that and the lady business is back so my iron like dropped out of the bottom oh so I'm just like menstrual raging guys I'm just a lump on a log. No, I'm not menstrual raging. I'm menstrual napping. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, except I can't nap. I have I have shit to do. I haven't oh, been in town like, for three days. I was like, so then what do you mean you're napping? That makes I no want, sense. I want to. Um, There's nothing like a good, everything hurts and I'm just going to shut my body off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's, I told, that was another thing that I did for makeup today when I was like, people are going to kind of see me. I need to put something under my eyes. <laughs> I need to make it look like I'm not, I don't have an iron deficiency and I, the circles under my eyes are purple. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, I told Chris, I'm like, I got to do something with my face before I get on this call. And he's just like, well, I don't think you look that bad. I'm like, I look like death. He's like, oh you don't look like death i'm like don't lie to me listen sir (laughs) your your compliments are appreciated but i know they're bullshit because i own a mirror don't lie to me (laughs) while i appreciate the thought you're a fucking liar (laughs) i know i fucking know i look like a dumpster fire but thank you (laughs) Mm -hmm. totally doing some hydrogel eye patches tonight just gonna because it sounds nice. Prep those peepers. The Ow. bags. Fuck. Why are you ripping your nail off? Nope, I wasn't. I was cleaning out from under them with a needle and I jammed it into You're my skin. stupid. Why are you... 
use something not sharp sharp needles are literal after i stab myself with the needle and then you keep doing it i'm just saying i had only had three more fingers left i'm not gonna fucking quit halfway i'm not a quitter also needles literally are made to go into the skin so and cloth not just skin you fucking hand cloths get out of here Fucking no. Oh god, we're we're rambling. We're rambling. We're rambling. Bring it on back. <laughs> it's fine. Hold oh, on. that bang though. Look at yourself in the what? Now tip your headphones forward just a smidge. Oh, like that's did. nice. <laughs> that's you had an alfalfa bang in the front. Oh, oh that's oh oh that's nice. Just... Ooh! <laughs> Ooh! Girl, that is a look. <laughs> <laughs> too bad no one could see it except me <laughs> let, me, let me go ahead now I, wait if i do this it looks like i have no hair <laughs> okay okay enough jeez louise this is what we get when we don't like see each other in person I miss your face i haven't hugged you in so miss- long Oh, that was a good look for both of us. I wish we had a picture of it. Oh, God. That was... We were both like... (laughs) All nine of our chins. All nine of them. Just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's how you count to nine. That's how you... (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, right before we got on here my sister was facetiming me and she's like wait are you recording and i'm like not right fucking now and she's like you should have me on your podcast and i was like no and she's like why not I'm like because you're not funny <laughs> she's like bitch i am too and i mean she is but i was lukey was eaten and he all my airplanes that are my dad's behind me all these uh-huh. yep he could see them and he was going airplane tt airplane fi tt i'm like oh you're so cute and when i was about to <laughs> you know it just makes you tuck your chin and talk about how cute he is um <laughs> when i was like hanging up i was like bye lukey and he goes bye bye airplane <laughs> i'm like not the airplane me bitch <laughs> molly sent me a picture of leon and he was standing at the bottom of my parents stairs like this and he said he told me i had to be quiet because you're seeping <laughs> he still thinks that that's where i am he'll stand at the bottom of the stairs and go nana nana <laughs> man is seeping <laughs> he just thinks you sleep like three days in a row <laughs> that's seeping <laughs> kid if she was sleeping that long she'd be dead okay <laughs> <laughs> we'd be decomposing at this point <laughs> shit all right should i crack should start it? man should we yeah get dive up. in i was just gonna say get up on get on up into it and then i looked at your face and you were digging in your eyeball <laughs> i was like well not that don't get into that the story okay ready tell me a story mom i'm gonna tell you about the persian princess aka the persian mommy Ooh. it's kind of historical 
it's the kind of true crime right at the end it's it's a thing i'll get to it okay excuse me anyway on october (laughs) you look like you were about to throw up i'm No, I've been getting like bubbles caught in my chest. So then when the burp starts happening, it stops. And I'm like, oh, just you bloop. <sighs> but- <laughs> Motherfucker, hold on my microphone. Don't <laughs> hit me right in the shots. Get your shit together. The stand the- that goes to the table was um, loose and it just <laughs> ran out of my face. Slipped right off. Just slipped right off onto my face. <laughs> that's what she said it's not that kind of a podcast oh that's another one we're pulling up out of the grave what is this nostalgia corner haven't said that that was from our that wasn't even from like our that was like our first round of trying to podcast before we actually went live with our podcast Mm -hmm. it's not that kind of a podcast so Anyway, back to my story. Jokes on you, it is that kind of a podcast. <laughs> we talk about dick hey, and balls baby. a lot on here. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm sorry. Start your story. Focus. Okay, so on October 19th, 2000, uh, Pakistani authorities were alerted to a videotape recording of Ali Akbar in which he claimed to have a mummy for sale. Okay. So when questioned by the police, Akbar told them where the mummy was located, which was at the house of a tribal leader, Wali Muhammad Riki, in, um, near the border of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't, you're such a dumbass. I look down and you just slowly rise up over your microphone like a fucking creep. <laughs> well, I was going to shift this forward and I couldn't so I could lean back. <laughs> because you're talking so then i was like i'm here i'm not disappearing <laughs> so uh riki claimed he had received the mum- mummy from an iranian named sharif shah baki i'm doing a really good job on these names well don't pat had... yourself on the back too soon <laughs> no there's a name up here that i'm not going to be able to pronounce who had said that he had found it after an earthquake near uh Kweta. The mummy had been up for sale on the black antiquities market for 600 million rupee, which is the equivalent of about 11 million dollars U.S. money. Hot damn. Hot damn. Riki and Akbar were accused of violating the country's Antiquities Act and charged a charge which carries a maximum sentence of about 10 years in prison. So not a good time no uh pakistani authorities then brought the mummy to the national museum uh where museum officials inspected the remains and its sarcophagus uh in a press conference on october 26 uh pakistani archaeologist ahmad hassan dani of islamabad's uh university announced that the mummy seemed to be a princess dated to be circa 600 bc Whoa. The mummy was wrapped in ancient Egyptian style and rested in a gilded wooden coffin with cuneiform carvings, which is the rain- written language of a- a- ancient Persia. Okay. Um, and then inside of a stone sarcophagus. So there were also carvings of Ahura, Ahura? Mazda? Mazda? I don't know. Uh, which is a Zoro. Zoroastrian deity and so that's a uh it's a ancient 
like religious practice mm-hmm. kind of like the greeks believed there were multiple gods it's not really practiced now but okay. it was back then okay the mummy had a golden crown mask and a breastplate with an inscription that read i am the daughter of the great king xerxes Mazrika, protect me i am rodagun i am her name is r-h-o-d-u-g-u-n-e no idea how to pronounce that Rodejou, maybe uh this indicated that she was relatively a relatively unknown princess but a daughter of king xerxes the first of persia and a member of the Ahmed dynasty that meant that this mummified body potentially belonged to a persian princess and was around 260 2600 years old <laughs> 2600 yes okay oh yeah i suppose yes the coffin had been carved with a large uh image and the mummy was atop a layer of wax and honey and covered by a stone slab okay so uh hasani dani speculated that she might have been an egyptian princess married to a persian prince or a daughter of the king cyrus the great however because the mummification had been primarily an egyptian practice they had not encountered any mummies in persia before so they weren't they were trying to determine why she was mummified Mm mm-hmm the governments of Iran and Pakistan soon began to argue about the ownership of the money, n- mummy. The Iranian Cultural Heritage Organization claimed that as a member of a Persian royal family and demanded the mu- they demanded the mummy's return because it should be in an I- Iran. Uh, okay. Pakistan's archae- archaeological department said that it belonged to Pakistan because it had been found in, like, right on the border of Pakistan and Iran in technically what is Pakistan. The Taliban... Mm-hmm of afghanistan also made a claim the people in Quetta demanded that the police should return the mummy to them uh however in november of 2000 the mummy was placed in display in the national museum of pakistan okay there's something weird happening with this connection okay this is where it gets weird so the news of the persian princess garnered interest all over the world and an american archaeologist oscar white muscarella contacted the media to describe an incident uh that he that happened to him the previous march so when he was shown photographs of a similar mummy a middleman working on behalf of an unidentified antiquities dealer in pakistan had approached him claiming its owners were a zoroastrian family who had brought it to the country the seller had claimed that it was the daughter of xerxes based on the translation of the cuneiform of the breastplate oh so okay. was, so he believed it was the same mummy. Right. Um, the cuneiform text on the breastplate contained a passage from an inscription in Western Iran, Iranian, uh, but the inscription was carved during the reign of Darius, the father of Xerxes. So when the dealer's re- representative had sent him a piece of a coffin to be carbon dated, analysis had shown that the coffin was only around 250 years old. Oh, so she, this was not so that what they thought it was. He believed it was a forgery and severed okay. contact with his con with that person. But he had informed Interpol through the FBI that, hey, there's these people that are trying to sell this coffin and mummy and are representing it as this, but I don't think it is that. Okay. So, uh, Pakistani professor Ahmed Dani director of the institute of asian civilization is in islamabad studied the item he realized the corpse was not as old as the coffin 
the mat below the body was about five years old. He contacted uh, Asma Ibram, the creator of the National Museum of Pakistan, who investigated further. And during the investigation, Iran and the Taliban still continue to demand that this mummy be returned, that it was authentic, an authentic mummy. Okay. So the inscriptions on the breastplate were not in proper grammatical Persian. Instead of a Persian form of the daughter's name, which would have been spelled W-A-R-D-E-G-A-U-N-A. So Wordgana, the forgers had to use the Greek version, which is R-H-O-D-U-G-U-N-E. So Ibram, after doing further studies and doing CT scans throughout the whole mummy, published her report in April 17th of 2001. So the report stated that the so-called Persian princess was a fraud. In it, she documented the full results of her study. So the CT indicated that the mummification had not been made following ancient Egyptian custom. For example, the heart had been removed along with the rest of the internal organs, whereas the heart of a genuine Egyptian mummy would normally have been left inside the body. Furthermore, tendons that should have decayed over the centuries were still intact. They, the CT scans also revealed that the mummy belonged to an adult woman who was about four feet seven inches tall and was older than 20, no older than 21 when she died. The scans also showed that not only had all of her internal, internal organs been removed, but her abdominal cavity had been filled with a powdery substance. Chemical analysis indicated her body and hair sh- had been bleached and her abdomen had been filled with modern drying agents, like biocarbonate of soda and sodium chloride, which is how they mummify now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the results of carbon dating on the bone and tissue revealed that the remains belonged to a woman who must have died in and around 1996. Oh, so it's like brand spanking new. Bitch is fresh. Uh, fresh to death. <laughs> not really. <laughs> She's dead, but she's, I mean, newer, (laughs) (laughs) newer. So the autopsy then exposed that the cause of death was a broken neck caused by blunt force trauma to the cervical vertebrae. Um, The person doing the autopsy said that they had seen similar injuries with someone hit by a car. Mm. Uh, But a forensic pathologist could not determine if the woman's neck had been broken deliberately. Uh, So then they did accelerator mass spectrometry, spectrometry, uh, dating also confirmed the mummy's status as a fake. Her teeth had been removed after her death and her hip joint and pelvis and backbone damaged before the body had been filled with powder. So police then began to investigate a possible murder and they did arrest a number of suspects in and around the area of where the mummy was found. Okay. Um, once they opened a murder investigation and they reinterrogated the middleman involved in with the black market sale, they hoped to identify the woman and her murderer. But so far, this case is still a cold case. Oh. Investigators believe that the perpetrators of the fraud could have obtained a fresh corpse from grave robbers who looted a burial from the area between Pakistan and Iran to make this forgery. Okay. Because um, of how well she was mummified i mean she was mummified well enough to make and forged well enough to make quite a few experts believe it was authentic before it was debunked further tested upon so it's possible that this could have been just a straight up forgery we need a body to mummify let's pull one from a graveyard Mm -hmm. um 
but they have not ruled out murder because they can't figure out who this person is right they have no idea who she is she's unnamed um and and her the her cause of death is like a traumatic cause of death it's not like Mm -hmm. you next be snapped that doesn't just happen in your sleep right Mm -hmm. so um the ed foundation took custody of the of the body and around august of 5th of 2005 announced that it was to be interred with proper burial rites um but the well so they requested that it's a foundation basically and then the foundation requested it and the government it took them three more years before the government would release the body so that it could be interned with like burial rights and everything and it's Why? still to because they it's technically part of a murder investigation oh an open case yeah i yeah. suppose and uh it was so she, they buried her and interred her and she has she's marked with an unmarked grave because they don't know who she is that's so sad yeah that's some that's someone's like daughter yeah so and i mean that's i it's not it's not i just thought it was a really cool story right like a very it's a very intriguing thing i mean there's not a lot to it it's like they said yeah. it was this mummy it's not it's some girl that we don't know and but it's just so died, fucked up but... like first of all if it isn't a forgery that means someone murdered her and then fucking mummified her yeah and then these people found it and were like that's fucked up dude <laughs> yeah so either they found her mar- murdered and mummified and then forged the rest of it mm-hmm. or they forged the whole thing and found a dead body and mummified her either way it's fucked up dude that's fucked up <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yes it is i wow you know and i like i knew bits and pieces of that but i guess i didn't know like the obviously it's not like a final word on it but i didn't realize that it still wasn't like figured out well and i imagine it's a hard case to solve because all you have is a body Mm -hmm. that has been completely removed they have no i mean she could have been killed anywhere Mm -hmm. and then brought and buried in the desert and no one would know her teeth were pulled out so there goes any chance of following dental records i don't even know if you can pull full dna from a mummified corpse i'm not sure and even if they could do they have dna on file because you have to have a reason for it at that point Mm -hmm. it's not like now where your dna is pretty much on file anytime you go to the doctor so well in pakistan may be different from the u.s that may not be the same you know so and she may not be from pakistan she could be from iran she could be from afghanistan you don't know like right it's weird Mm -hmm. it's just a weird mystery well and then it also makes me kind of sad for her because it's like yeah and her family whoever they are someone's mother maybe or someone's daughter that they either don't know where she is or they believe that she was laid to rest and she's yeah there and somebody dug her up and disturbed her her body yeah uh but Hmm. it was it was something that i stumbled i said i i was searching for like some type of like a mystery or something i Mm -hmm. was like i'm tired of murder i'm tired of i want a mystery case and then i like well this one's kind of small but it's so it's fascinating (laughs) Mm -hmm. wow good job i liked it oh well thank you you're welcome you're the best dude what do you got for me bitch to tell you the story of Evelyn Nesbitt. 
You ever heard I'm of her? Really familiar. Are you sure I haven't done that one? Uh, maybe. We'll find out. I couldn't find it on our Instagram things, but it it sounded familiar to me too, but I feel like it was on an episode of one of the other, like, it's, we'll find out. Here, I'm going to go ahead and say the girl on the velvet swing. Oh yeah. No. Don't no. Know okay. Her, but that was, I'm sorry what the podcast I think did it. We are. I'm sorry what the podcast. You're right. I think it was, and that's why we drink. <laughs> I'm like, cause it sounded familiar to me too. So I made sure to like search our Instagram to make sure it wasn't on one of our posts about the episodes. We are. I'm sorry what the podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. <laughs> what do you want from me? Um, because I've all of a sudden became kind of fascinated by how fucked up Hollywood is and has oh. been forever and a day. <laughs> yes. And by Hollywood, I just mean like fame Hollywood. and show business in general. It's yeah. not even just Hollywood because this is technically based in New York. So, um, but show uh, that's showbiz. Showbiz. Kid. That's showbiz, kid. Uh, so she was born Florence Evelyn Nesbitt on Christmas Day of 1884. Ooh. Uh, she was born in Pennsylvania. But here's the thing. They don't know what her actual birth year is. Okay. Uh, because they think that her mom may have changed it to get around child labor laws. Oh. Great, right? Uh, but, sw- swimming mother already. Yes, but there is no like definitive anything about it but that's what they think um evelyn's father was from all accounts seemed very like loving and a family man but was very lazy he didn't really make any money to like support the family okay um finances were tight but they were comfortable quotation from what i was reading um yeah so they didn't they weren't like in poverty but they were definitely not he wasn't trying to reach for the stars we'll say Okay. Um, reach for the stars reach for the sky there's a snake in my boot sorry what's what's up woody i feel like sometimes there's like i don't know if i it's not tourette's but sometimes somebody will somebody will say something like that and then i have to say what i don't know if you have to say no i have like you need to say it (laughs) like i have to say it (laughs) i don't know man uh, so Evelyn's father died in 1895 when she was 11, and according to her mother's birth year, of course, um, yeah. with his death, the finances became extremely difficult. This is when they kind of fell into a, we don't know where we're, our next meal is coming from type of spot. Um, they paid off, or they sold off the house and all of the possessions just to pay off the debt that they had accrued because they couldn't pay their payments anymore okay um evelyn's mother who was a dressmaker and from what i could tell she was really good at it but she just couldn't find a job where they were um so basically they just lived off of handouts for a while like do-gooders giving them stuff um howard evelyn's little brother uh would live with relatives for chunks of time even because they wanted to cut the finance like what they had to pay so Evelyn and her mother would try to work and make money and Howard would go just stay with family. Uh, so uh, the people around them eventually gathered enough money to get 
her a boarding house to run. So basically like, here's this, it's a way of you making money. It's like a job, but it was kind of a flop. She hated collecting the rent. So then people would give her a hard time getting the rent because she was like shy about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So then she ended up like just closing it down after just a couple years. Okay. Um, This all became just like way too much for her. And she moved the family to Philadelphia. Okay. Apparently to live with family. West Philadelphia. Born and raised. uh three years after their father had died so all that happened within three years okay um there the mother got a job in a department store as a sales clerk and she even got her children jobs there too uh evelyn was 14 and howard was 12 according to birth certificates Mm -hmm. uh they all worked 12 hour days six days a week at 12 and 14 Mm -hmm. ew yeah Um, there was an artist who came into the store once and noticed that Evelyn was very beautiful and she had asked if she could paint her because her face was so like striking. Mm -hmm. Um, she had natural poise, natural charm and poise, this artist said. So Evelyn's mother said that she could pose for this one portrait and she was paid a dollar for her four hours of sitting there, Mm -hmm. which nowadays it's like 30 bucks if you're looking at like what it's worth now yeah so Evelyn liked it like she was like wow I'm making money I'm helping the family cool after this the artist like recommended her to her different friends in the art community because she was such a great model she sat so still and did so well and was very like well-mannered um so this was kind of a turning point for Evelyn Mm -hmm. uh she started modeling more and her mother was not a fan of this her mom was kind of like a judgy judgerson no she was like you're 14 probably actually 12 you're 14 this is kind of questionable work I don't want you to be so like vain and worried about the vanity in life Mm -hmm. um but she liked it because she was helping her family uh and so she begged her mother for her to pursue this as her career like okay for the rest of her life and her mother finally relented and soon enough Evelyn had quit her job and she started modeling full-time all the time uh in June of 1900 Mrs. Nesbitt moved to New York and she well she moved herself to New York to find better work because she wasn't getting paid enough at the store um and left Evelyn and Howard with family members okay uh sorry this is when uh, oh this is when evelyn was about 16 according to her birth certificate i try to keep like tallies because yeah it all goes so fast Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it's like holy shit you're like 18 and all this is happening um so she decided to find work well she couldn't find work there so she moved her children there anyway because she wanted them with her And they shared a single room in Manhattan. Yeah. Evelyn began trying to, and they're teenagers at this point, so that's Mm got to be fun. Um, Evelyn began trying to find modeling in New York. She followed recommendation from her art friends in Philadelphia and soon had made contact with the painter James Carroll Beckworth, whose most famous like person he would sell to was John Jacob Astor. Yes, the one from Titanic. Oh. Oh, 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 I know I read that name and I was like this sounds really familiar is that the asshole 
no he's the one that married molly brown oh oh oh, oh. okay yeah. yeah 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 so um beckworth took evelyn under his wing in a way and found her work throughout the city um he was really protective of her kind of played like a father figure Soon Evelyn was in high demand in New York. She's that face on all of those like old, um, if you see the profile and it's like the curly hair. Mm -hmm. um, I know what you're talking about. She's all over the place. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so at this point, again, she's like 16, 17. Not feeling like this is questionable because some of the things that she posed for were like, topless and nude and mm -hmm. i mean granted at the time it's art no yeah yeah no so uh she was known as a cover girl and was on all of the women's magazines she was like the first cover girl and uh, i just hate this because she was on beer trays tobacco cards pocket mirrors and then so risky she was being poke. sexualized at 16 yes Exactly. Okay. She was on risky postcards, those one like her her her. Um risque. Risque. Yes. Okay. Um You said risky, was... so I was like, is that a brand? No. Or... <laughs> no. Um, so she was known as like the first pinup girl. Right. That's kind of when all of that took off. Um she became one of Charles Donna Gibson's Gibson girls, which is another just mm -hmm interesting thing per but can't get into that um i mean we evelyn, can but we'll be here forever forever um evelyn was now making more money combined than the three wages they were making in pennsylvania um but the cost of living in new york was too high still so evelyn decided to try to get into quote unquote showbiz so when you said that it made me laugh because mm -hmm. that's what she said she's like i'm gonna make it in showbiz um, i'm gonna make it and she said that she also was growing sick of just sitting there. She's yeah. like, I'm sick of sitting here for everybody to paint me and photograph me. And like, I get that I'm pretty, but I'm over it. Right. Exactly. I have more in me than this. So she got a part in at the Casino Theater on Broadway as a chorus girl. Okay. In Floridora. Um, quite a few girls in this show actually had ended up marrying like millionaire men because they would come and then they'd woo these girls that were in the yeah. show. Um, so it was very intriguing to her because she's like, maybe I just don't even have to work after that. <laughs> maybe I can just catch me a man. Right. So after this, she got a part in the wild rose where she played Vashi Vashi. Okay. Um, and during that time, she met Stanford White. This is when things get kind of questionable. Uh, he's a famous architect who designed the original Madison Square Garden building. Uh, he had gotten himself, oh, <laughs> he had himself a heck of a mustache, I wrote, because it's one of those that's like his whole face. Oh. It's like big old wide one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stanny, as his friends would call him, Gross. was a bit of a fuck boy. A 19, early nineteen. Um, fuckboy is what i'd call him just a real fuckboy um he basically just he would brag about being able to take women's virginity ew yeah um so he decided that he wanted evelyn even though she was 16 probably actually 14 at the time gross yeah uh nevertheless nest lest 
what? What? Nevertheless, uh, he began trying to woo and impress her and her mother because obviously her mother had to be okay with it too. He's going to bang her mother? No, he tried to woo them, make them like him, not like... Oh, I thought you were like, he was wooing her and the mom. And I was like, both of them? Ew. Wooing is just trying to make someone like you, not banging them. I know what wooing (laughs) is, but it... It's trying to make someone like you with the intention of banging them. I don't know if that, I think that's just you thinking it's a banging, banging thing. Huh? Continue. Okay. And he, so he at the time was 47. Uh, Yeah. So she the mom was like oh hell no at first get away from my daughter what is this yeah exactly so white had like a fancy multi-level apartment and he he was very highfalutin i thought i'd bring it back he's highfalutin highfalutin uh white invited evelyn and her stage mate edna over for lunch one day and they were very impressed um he served them lunch and they each got a single glass of champagne that's all he would allow it because he Mm -hmm. didn't want them to get drunk oh yeah yeah because he's a good guy yeah because he's a real good guy (laughs) after lunch the three of them went up to his green room with a large red velvet swing suspended from the ceiling and in the ropes of it it sounds like super cool looking in the ropes of it there was ivy wound Oh, cool. I want to swing right? on it. Right? I was like, it's kind of, it's kind of cool sounding. Just not with an old man watching me. That's weird. Right? Evelyn freaking loved it because she's a child. Right. Because she's a 14-year-old or 16-year-old. Whatever. Um, she said it was a lot of fun and that Stanford was a perfect host. So what? She just swung on this swung? Swing? Yeah. She just went and swung. And they took, well, there's pictures of her on the swing. Um, which is why she's known as the girl on the red velvet swing. Ew. Um, white gave Evelyn, by the way, huh? It was deaf a sex swing. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a padded swing. It's literally just a hanging bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so white would give Evelyn's mother gifts and money and arranged for Howard to go to a fancy military academy. Okay. Um, he also moved the family into a Wellington hotel and he designed the decorations all on his own because he's an architect, you know, so he's real Mm -hmm. fancy. So he designed everything down to Evelyn's room being very reminiscent of this, uh, green room with the red velvet swing. Ew. Yeah. So creeps me out. I I don't like this. This is why I was like, oh, it's like a historical Hollywood thing. Like whatever. No, it's a grooming pedophile. so mrs nesbitt began to trust this man gross um and trusted him enough that she was comfortable leaving the children with him to go visit friends in pittsburgh um she left evelyn alone in the new york flat that he had gotten for them in this hotel um and sanford was watching over her when she left um before leaving she had told her to obey anything white says no 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 don't 
don't do it. Um, a few days after her mother left. It's getting a little rapey in here, Drake. <laughs> it might. Um. White invited Evelyn to his apartment for supper. Um, this was different because he was supplying her with quite a bit of champagne this time uh he had bought a satin yellow kimono for her and gave it to her and she got very excited and changed into it right away because she was like this is so cool thank you you know normal young kid excited to get a gift um white then gave her a tour of the apartment um went and showed her rooms that she hadn't seen before because they didn't see the whole thing Mm-hmm. Uh, the final room was a mirror room. Ew. Mm-hmm. Also, um, if this wasn't set in the scene of a raper, it sounds like a really cool fucking apartment. <laughs> I know it sounds fucking like you got like a jungle room with a swing. If you this got, was an old man's house of raping, I would think this was a cool apartment. And that's like literally what he was known for is seducing young women. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like old mm-hmm. man's rapey house, like fun house of mirrors. If this was just yeah. like some rando's cool apartment because they're eccentric and a little crazy, I could hang out there. Right. <laughs> well, and like in this room, and there was it wasn't just like mirrors all over the room. It was like on the walls, on the ceilings, like mm-hmm. it was plastered like a cube of mirrors. Just wild. Kind of disorienting, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so Evelyn began getting drowsy. So I mean, if she drank a lot of alcohol, who knows, maybe she had been drugged. He was the one pouring the drinks. Yeah. Um, But she got very drowsy, and she says the next thing she remembers is waking up next to him naked. (gasps) Um, She had entered, the. this is her quote, entered the room of virgin, but did not come out of it as one. Ew. Um, After this, Sanford White was very controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, he decided what was suitable for Evelyn to do, what parts she should take, what people she should be around. Um, he was very jealous and possessive. If anyone showed any interest in her, he would fly off the handle. So, and, and his mom went, and her mom just went along with it? I guess. <sighs> um, and basically ended up, ended the re- growing relationship between her and this guy john barrymore who is 21 which is much more reasonable age for her Mm -hmm. to be looking into um and he just said he wasn't suitable for her basically she didn't come from enough money so he wasn't good enough um and put a stop to it Mm -hmm. then evelyn met a young wealthy railroad um heir named harry kendall thaw okay um thaw was a huge fan of evelyn like kind of creepy obsessed with her he had seen her shows over 40 times so he was like a stage five stalker like yeah and he was also addicted to drugs and mentally unstable sounds like a party yep sounds great sounds like a great combination (laughs) so white had heard of thaw's issues and reputation Mm -hmm. um and warned evelyn to avoid him Thaw believed that White had basically blackmailed him to not be able to attend any of the like high class clubs in New York. But the real reason is because Thaw was mentally unstable and they didn't, they, it followed him around. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily White who 
started it, but Thaw was very paranoid that he was the one starting all these rumors. Yeah. So they kind of had this like back and forth kind of thing. Dislike of each other. Uh, he also, oh, that's not it. <laughs> he hated White even more because of his reputation of taking young women's virginity. Mm-hmm. And this was just amplified knowing that he may have done the same to his very perfect Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had this, not delusion, because he was right. He has this reputation for it. But the fact that it may have happened to Evelyn made him mad at both White and Evelyn. Right. Um, so White had to pay. Okay. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> In 1903, mind you, this is eight years after her dad passed away. That's it. It's been eight years since they had to, like, readjust everything and whatever. So she's, me, like, 17. Yeah. For me, it's just wild that all of this happened within this short period of time. Mm-hmm. So... In 1903, Thaw took Evelyn and her mother on a European trip. Um, And throughout the trip, he began mentally unraveling. Um, Evelyn had told Thaw of the words that Sanford had said after she had woken up next to him. And this is what she said she remembered him saying. Don't cry, kitten. Please don't cry. It's all over. Now you belong to me. Ew, and he called her kitten. Mm-hmm. That's gross. Um, Thaw voiced that he believed that it was Evelyn and her mother's fault that this had happened and thought that Evelyn should have been saved for Thaw, not for White. So, Listen, bitch, it's not yours. No. Yeah. That's not how this works, you fucking pervy McGee. It also makes me go, God... I would have hated being a woman at this time. Oh, I would have killed like, someone. I would have killed someone. <laughs> yeah, it's just, wow. So Mrs. Nesbitt, her mother, was just like, okay, I'm done with this trip. All you're Listen, doing bitch. is... Yeah. She's like, Listen, all you're bitch. doing is just like bitching at us and whatever, so I'm going to go. So she left, but Evelyn didn't want to stop the trip. She wanted to keep going. Mm-hmm. So Evelyn continued with Thaw. Okay. And at this point... They continue to Paris. Um, Evelyn is technically an adult if you're going by her birth certificates or mother has like no say in that. Uh, So Thaw had wrote in the guest book at the Domery. Is that what it is? Domery? Domery, I think. Domery, that's what I thought. Um, The Joan of of Arc's birthplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, She would have been a virgin if not for Stanford White. (gasps) Like, what the fuck, dude? So he was really just losing it. Yeah, he was just falling apart. Um, Thaw rented a castle in Austria next. They And there he imprisoned Evelyn. Um, he would whip her and then break down and cry at her and apologize for doing it. What the fuck? Um, yeah. Yeah. He is, I, I don't know um so this happened multiple times barking i hear him whatever just keep going okay so this happened multiple times he would whip her and then break down and apologize Mm -hmm. classic abuse 
Yeah. Um, when they returned to New York, Evelyn decided that there wasn't really a future with her in white. Imagine that. Um, and eventually gave in to Thaw's proposals of marriage and hoped that securing that would secure a decent life for her and her family because so of his... Gonna, she agreed to marry Thaw. Mm-hmm. The guy who's whipping her. Yes. Because, oh, okay. because she wanted to secure a life where her family isn't going to have to worry about money mm-hmm. anymore. And so, and she thought that maybe once they got married, he would. They never change. They I never... know. Oh yeah. But this is what she was hoping that once they got married, that his delusion that she was wanting white would change, but obviously not. Yeah. Um, so they got married in April of 1905. Uh, the couple moved to the family home in Pittsburgh. Thaw's mother was overbearing and ruled the house, including over Evelyn. Uh, Thaw grew very paranoid um, at this time and began believing that White had hired men to kill him. He began carrying a gun around on his hip constantly, thinking someone's going to pop up in his property. Um, on June 25th of 1906, just before another European trip that they planned, they decided to go see a show in Madison Square Garden. They had dinner at Cafe Martin, about a block away from the show. And there, Thaw saw, Thaw, it's so weird saying his name because I feel like it does, oh, it's not a real name. It just feels like it's not a real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, Thaw saw White eating at a table across the room. And he began getting paranoid and agitated again. After eating, the couple and two of the male friends that they had met at this cafe um, went to a show that went until about 11 p.m. There, (laughs) that is when Thaw saw, again, it's weird saying it, Thaw saw White at his always reserved table. He always sits there because Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he designed the theater or whatever. Yeah. So... He saw him at his table and approached him a few times, but always retreated. Um, White was completely oblivious to this happening. He was not paying attention whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And during the finale of the show, Thaw went up to White's table. White saw this this time and didn't seem to be very worried about it. Like figured he'd come and like mouth off at him and then mm-hmm. leave. Uh, Thaw pulled a pistol and shot White point blank in the head two times. Jesus Christ. Right in the middle of this packed theater. That escalated Um, real quickly. uh, Yeah. And then after shooting him twice in the head, he shot him once in the back. Jesus. Just bang, bang. He's dead, motherfucker. Stop it. Relax, man. Um, Thaw just stood there and shouted to the crowd, I did it because he ruined my wife. He had it coming to him. He he had it coming. Sorry. He took advantage. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. No? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I get it. <laughs> he took advantage of girls and uh, he took advantage of the girl and abandoned her. You'll never go out with that woman again. Oh, yeah, it does make sense. I was like, that doesn't seem to make sense in my head. But there were other reports that said he ruined his life, not his wife. So mm. I don't really know exactly what he said, but basically it was all over that. Um, Thaw was arrested and Evelyn left the cafe and took refuge at a friend's apartment. She stayed there for a few days in shock. She was just like, 
dude, he just uh, lost his shit. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get the fuck out. Um, she described it as a complete numbness of the mind and body took possession over her. Uh, she moved like a person in a trance for hours afterwards. She's, she's like, just floated through life for a mm-hmm. while. Uh, the next morning, the papers were like saying how heroic Thaw was for killing this womanizer and what yeah yeah uh I mean good for you but also you're a fuck boy too so right it's like great great you're just a different kind of fucked up um Thaw was tried two times for Sanford White's murder and Evelyn testified in both which made her relive the rape each time because she had to tell her story about everything Mm -hmm. Uh, Thaw pleaded temporary insanity and his mother found doctors that would conclude this as well because they're rich Um, between that and his lawyers she spent one and a half million dollars on his defense of that time's money it the, all I found was one and a half million, so I'm assuming it's of that time's money because they Holy were like shit. they were like old rich, you know, you know those oil tycoons. Um, except it's train rail train, but still, you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. Uh, the jury gave their final verdict in the retrial in 1908, and he was sent to be incarcerated for life. Okay. Um, and he was sent. Well. So he was sent to a hospital because he clearly was not mentally stable. Because bitch was crazy. Uh, Yep. So he went to a hospital for criminally insane. Uh, White waited to declare. Oh, wait. That's not a word. Oh, while waiting (laughs) to be declared sane, he just strolled out of the hospital. It's another one of those. Just walked out. (laughs) How many times does... I wish I could count how many times fucking assholes like this just up in walls asylum yep so he walks out of the hospital jumps into a waiting car that drives him to canada okay uh he stayed there until he was extradited to the u.s in 1915 so for years Mm -hmm. and then he was released oh okay good because he was declared sane apparently (laughs) awesome I don't know how any of this works. So he didn't have to go to jail? Nope. Even though he ran to. Evelyn divorced Thaw, obviously, in 1915 once he was out and she was able to get all that done. And he wasn't in Canada anymore. Right. And in 1916, she married Jack Clifford, who she had acted with. Acted with? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's... It sounds weird. Uh, The press continued dogging Evelyn and Jack, and he felt like it was holding back his career, so he left her in 1918. Um, In the 20s, Evelyn opened up a tea room. (laughs) I don't know. And struggled with alcoholism and morphine addiction. Uh, Thaw continued to be obsessed with Evelyn for years after this. Um, In 1926, it was found that he was still paying a private detective to spy on her. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Yeah. When times got tough, Thaw would also send Evelyn $10 a day through attorneys. Like, because he wasn't supposed to have contact with her. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Thaw died in 1947 and left Evelyn $10,000 from his estate, which is about a million now. Jeez. Um, Evelyn published a couple of books, The Story of My Life in 1914 and Prodigal Days in 1934, which were both autobiographies. Um, Evelyn Nesbitt died in a nursing home in Santa Monica, California on January 17th, 1967 at the age of 82. And there was a quote from her obituary that said, Stanny White was killed, but my fate was worse. I lived. Because mm-hmm. she, hate, she, she would just was very scarred by the whole situation because, mm-hmm. well, I mean, think about the times. Yeah. Where it was like, she was basically like a marked woman at that point, And she'd be lucky if somebody wanted her. Right. So, which I think is another reason why she accepted Thaw's marriage proposal proposal. yeah but yeah so that's the story of evelyn nesbitt the girl on the red velvet swing good job you done good kid found it really interesting and then it made me want to look into more weird old hollywood old showbiz stories yeah well it was very interesting good jobs good jobs danka danka you're welcome i like how we both went semi-historical yeah I like it. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know why I said thanks. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm hungry. My head hurts. I'm full of complaints. <laughs> my head hurts. My uterus hurts. I'm tired. Hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry too. Everybody's sick of everyone's like, all right, well, I'm fucking annoyed with you. So shut Goodbye. up and end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Oh, oh, you shit, Jinx. Shit. Motherfucker. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, see you later. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, follow, like, all those things. We say it every week. Um, if you're new, I guess you're shit out of luck. You'll have to look for yourself. <laughs> if you can't figure it out, motherfucker, why are you listening to us? <laughs> Just kidding. You're fine. Um, it's on Facebook and Instagram there yeah just look just look you know just open your eyes jackass and don't forget to spread the word and uh spread yourself just spread it wide open oh god just a big gaping open oh, hole sh- stop talking <laughs> nasty ass <laughs> okay bye bye <laughs>